Love this podcast? Support this show through the Acast supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give, and there's no regular commitment. Just click the link in the show description to support now. I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me, because you didn't use LinkedIn Jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Good morning, good afternoon, and good evening, Undying Light listeners. I am back at it again with another new episode as we continue our wonderful new series. I, I don't think last week when I introduced this that I actually gave you a title of the series. We're going to call it The Least of These. And and I'm, and I'm it is kind of a, plo, a play off of uh, the words of Christ, Um you know, where he's talking about uh, the children um, in the Gospels. And really, the premise of the show, as I've mentioned last week, is to cover the uh, least talked about topics and books uh, from the Old Testament and New Testament, um, books and individuals, topics, things of that nature. And so I, I laid out kind of this structure last week of what books we were going to cover and kind of in the order and so we started last week looking at the song of solomon and now this week we're going to continue that journey we're going to go a little bit quicker uh we spend probably a good 20 or so minutes on just the first four verses but we're going to um probably work through all of chapter one today so that would be verses five through 17 um, and uh, we'll we'll continue to kind of uh, peruse through next week's episode. Might cover chapters two and three, and you know, and then so on and so forth. But I don't want to um, dwell too deeply on the verses, but I do want to highlight, you know, what's happening, what what is really being said here. Uh, is this stuff? relevant for us today in the church or should we consider um you know how sh- how should we really consider looking at this particular text so um that's kind of the framework uh as i've mentioned in this little series i want to try to you know not dig too deep into the text but there will be points where we will have to clarify and uncover and 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 discuss um, some items as I drop my phone now on uh, on my table, getting ready for the show and 
closing out apps. But uh, yeah, so that's kind of the direction of the show. You know, over the course of the next few months, I don't really have a particular time frame. There's a lot that we can cover in this particular series in terms of like um, content. And so I want to really highlight and emphasize that um, we'll be kind of going back and forth between some deep talk topics um, when we get to text that has some real doctrinal applications and we will probably kind of go maybe a little bit faster through some areas. So we'll be back and forth and kind of all over the table with it. Uh, so we did an introduction last week to the song of Solomon that kind of helped us, uh, set the environment, the atmosphere for this book. And we looked at the introduction in terms of who wrote it, the time frame, and all these other things. So if you've missed that episode, please stop listening right now and go back and listen to that episode because it'll help give you more context and clarity to what we're doing now. Uh, obviously, we're beginning in the first chapter, verse 5 today, and we will work our way th- on from there. These are going to be shorter episodes as well. I don't want to carry them on much more than 45 minutes. Um, we went a little long last week because I was kind of introducing this series and talking about some other stuff. Um, so coming into this show, we will... Uh, wrap her down about 40 minutes where we are and conclude kind of our train of thought. And if that means doing multiple episodes on some sections, then we will. I just want for your listening pleasures to not have to drone on and on and on. So with that said, my quick commercial, we are listener supported and you can help support us either through ACAST, uh, which I believe uh, we had uh, one or two, it doesn't really tell me, unfortunately, um, how many uh, gave us a, a donation last month, but truly, deeply appreciative. Uh, that came through to help go towards the cost of running the show. And so you can do a, a one-time donation or you can, I don't know if you can set it up to monthly on that, but patrons more of a monthly aspect Whereas you can donate a dollar a month and get access to all of the content that I produce. Acast just is a means to, you know, support the show directly. And if you did give money through Acast and you can show the receipt, DM me and I'll see what I can do to get you some additional content because that would be really awesome for me to help you uh, kind of get that. But Beyond that, you know, patrons where we reside and we're listener supported. And so everything that you guys donate goes back into the pain on the show and keeping the podcast alive and and uh, buying and paying for all of the the editing content and all that that we utilize through the week. Uh, we also am in the process of working with Anthony on getting a new Matter of Truth episode. We have just been incredibly busy, and it doesn't help that I have a son due literally in nine days, And so my life, actually eight days now, my life is going to be jam-packed with another little baby running around the house. And uh, so I am trying to do what I can to squeeze some time in, and I want to get an episode recorded with him so we can produce some stuff there. But that show still goes strong. He's been uh, working with a few people here and there to get some content. So check out A Matter of Truth, and uh, you can help support both of those shows through the undying light patron 
And if you need links to any of that content, that is all in the show notes. So check those out. And obviously, if you have any questions, you know where to get me. DM me on Instagram, hit me up on Facebook, whatever you can. Send me an email. All of that's listed in the show notes. And I will be able to answer any of your questions that you have surrounding the show, me, my faith, whatever it is that you're looking at. If you have questions on Patreon, fire away. I would love to do not, you know, love to help answer those questions. So, so as we continue on, I want to really stress the the premise of this series. You know, whereas we just spent a considerable amount of time walking through the Book of Revelation and walking through some some real deep theology. This is a lot lighter series and uh hopefully a little bit more enjoyable eschatology is difficult and uh and i really want to to high to illustrate and emphasize that this series is going to be a little bit more lighthearted. so without further ado as i just further dude it let's get into the text verse five song of solomon here we go this is, uh, as I mentioned in the ESV version last week, they give us divisions of who's speaking or uh, praise, singing their praises as we looked at in verse 4. Um, now we're back at this woman. It's just titled, She. This is what she says. I am very dark but lovely, O daughters of Jerusalem, like their tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon, do not gaze at me because I am dark, because the sun has looked upon me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyard I have not kept. Tell me, you whom my soul loves, where you pastor your flock, where you make it lie down at noon, and why should I be like the one who veils herself besides the flocks of your companions? And then it's and it reads Solomon and his bride delight in each other, uh, verse eight, and we'll carry this on in a minute. But let's look at verses five through seven here, and try and just provide some context to what's going on here. I am very dark but lovely. The song returns to the period of courtship prior to the wedding. Now, if you remember last week, we talked about the divisions of this book and how it really kind of comes in different cycles and periods. So check that out again, and if you need um, maybe a visual to that, let me know. Shoot me a DM, and and I'll share a visual to how those cycles look. But it's fairly simple. I can, you know, it's just uh, there's uh, six or five, five, six cycles, um, two parts: the union and uh, and the reunion. There's four cycles here in uh, the first division and two in the second division uh, they span the whole book all eight chapters and uh, and it goes back and forth between wedding consummation courtship wedding consummation and uh, kind of cycles through that so I went through you know how how they come down in order so go check those out so the song returns to the period of courtship prior to the wedding when the Shulamite confesses her lowly state. She is darkened and perhaps by exposure to the sun, indicating a life of manual labor. Though weathered by hard work, she is beautiful to the eyes of her fiancé. Uh, and this is referencing uh, potentially Ruth chapter 2 and uh, 
Then we also can see references to Isaiah 61, 10, uh, Ephesians 5, 27, Revelation 21, 2. Uh, o daughters of Jerusalem, implied the audience of the song taught by the king's bride, as chapter 8, verse 2 states, they stand as an image of the younger women learning, uh, learning from older women. Uh, this is what Paul points to in 2 Timothy 1, 5 and in Titus chapter 2, verses 3 through 5. Uh, and I'm going to read Titus 2 really quick. It just states that older women likewise are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is good. So and so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind and submissive to their own husbands. That is the word of God may uh, not be reviled. And so this is what, you know, the author here, the Shulamite, is really pointing towards is, is this kind of uh, obedience, this devotion to raising up and uh, teaching the younger women and really calling upon the younger women to, to t- learn from the older. And so, it, you know, and we see that discipleship kind of play out throughout Scripture. Um, it's... You know, one of those aspects that you have somebody in a a discipleship style role and they look to somebody who's not necessarily younger or older than them, but somebody who's less in the faith, somebody who's newer in the faith, and they can walk alongside and teach them up. Now, I'm a fairly young pastor. Uh, There there are many that are younger than me, even coming out of ministry in their early early to mid-20s. You know, I'm 35. And I've been in ministry for nine, 10 months, full-time ministry, been doing pulpit supply and that for a few years. There's going to be many people in my church that are older than me, but I have the ability to come alongside and shepherd and disciple them just because of the role that I carry. But also people who are in my shoes that aren't in ministry full-time, but partake in men's ministries or men's discipleship groups or anything like that men who are very dedicated to the craft or dedicated to learning theology, they have the privilege and the honor and the duty to help train up others. It doesn't matter whether they are 25 teaching a 75-year-old. They just need to come alongside those who are weaker in the faith, those who are lesser knowledgeable or lesser taught and train them up. And that's, we see that constantly throughout scripture. Obviously, most of the uh, the images played are an older uh, person training up the younger, and and rightly so because the older has more wisdom in the world, and they've been around God's word longer than somebody who's young. But that doesn't also that doesn't always point to um, the situation that we find ourselves in. So. Moving on, it's just kind of a little side tangent there for you. But moving on, the tents of Kedar, or Kedar, uh, this is perhaps wordplay referencing the uh, bride's dark complexion because nomadic tents were dark in color to diminish the sun, the desert sun's uh, glare. Uh, Kedar may refer to the nomadic tribe in the Saharian Seir- uh, and Arabian deserts south of Jerusalem. Uh, descendants of Ishmael, going back to Genesis 25, 13, and and uh, also noting here Psalm 120, verse 5, uh, the curtains of Solomon, the curtains of Solomon's palace or temple may also have been dark but lovely. The bride's uh, ornament is not merely outward but hidden as God's glory in the tabernacle or temple. 
and to God's holy people throughout history. And verse 6 the do not gaze because the Shulamite is darkened by her labor in the sun. The daughters of Jerusalem look on her with contempt. Yet she's beautiful in the eyes of her bridegroom. Uh, this angry with me keeper, her brothers were angry that she failed to keep the family vineyards. Instead of concerning herself with the family's well-being, she may have been given all of the proceeds of the vineyard to her husband. And this is going to obviously point us to uh, the eighth chapter. Verse seven, uh, when it starts off, tell me you whom my soul loves, this you, Solomon, veils herself, context suggesting a negative sense to the veiling as though she were covering herself from mourning or even prostitution, as Genesis 38, 15 says. Uh, Genesis 38, 15 says this, when uh, Judah saw her, he thought she was a prostitute for she had covered her face. So that uh, wraps up verse 7. Now, this is kind of a collection going back to verse verse 2 here in this chapter. We're going to kind of write a summary here. Uh, It says, The Shulamite is of lowly birth. Her skin is weathered, and she is easily despised. But she is the love of her husband king. The church, too, is to be loved uh, of her bridegroom, Jesus Christ. Her sins may be obvious even to other sinners, but her husband King calls her holy and forgiven, beautiful and radiant in the glory of his grace. So there's a lot of uh, correlation or, 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 you know, between the church and Christ and Solomon and his bride. And so uh, some historians and some theologians would point us to this particular book as being one of a means to see Solomon's love for this woman and this woman's love for Solomon, but also it's a way that we can see the love of Christ for his church and the church's love for Christ. And so there's that joint connection. There's that, uh, you know, between the two that give us a richer uh, picture to what is actually happening. Instead of just reading it, as I mentioned last week in kind of some, raunchy, you know, inappropriate manner of text, we can actually look at this and say, you know, there's really a deeper meaning and it's not as vulgar uh, or as explicit as some people try to make the text sound like it is. Obviously, we we see so far the love being expressed between Solomon and the Shulamite. And we are seeing, you know, kind of the descriptive natures that, she is painting herself with, and now we will um, we will dig into what Solomon writes here, uh, verses eight and through eleven, and then it continues a little bit back and forth between the Shulamite and Solomon to close out chapter one. So let's dig into now what Solomon's saying here in verse eight. He says, "If you do not know, O most beautiful among women, follow in the tracks of the flock and pastor your young goats besides the shepherd's tents. I compare you, my love, to a mere to a mare among Pharaoh's chariots. Your cheeks are lovely with ornaments, and your neck with the string of jewels. And then the others here are uh, potentially singing praises, as we'll touch on here in a minute. Um, verse eleven: We will make for you ornaments of gold studded with silver. So let's go back to verse eight here. Follow in the tracks. Um, 
the Shulamite is gently rebuked by her husband, who suggests that she should know where to find him. The tracks of his flocks will guide her in the shepherd's tents. She should care. She should care for the flock, keeping them close to the tents, so the shepherds will make sure they dwell in peace and safety. Um, this verse nine: the mare among Pharaoh's chariots is an image of nobility. It's not just simply a stable beast, but a stately regal creature is in one of the finest armies in the ancient Near East. Uh, Verse 10, these ornaments, though of lowly origin, Solomon's bride is decorated in splendor for her wedding. And uh, so she moves on here. Uh, She responds, verses 12 through 14. This is what she says. While... The king was on his couch. Uh, my nard gave forth its fragrance. My beloved is to me a sachet of myrrh that lies between my breasts. My beloved is to me the cluster of uh, henna blossoms in the vineyards of Engadai, Engadi. It's a town. Uh, in the north, in the west shore of the Dead Sea, and Gadi. So butchered that because I'm great at language and speaking, which is funny because I have a podcast where all I do is literally talk. And uh, yeah, so inside joke for those who who can uh, relate to it. it. Actually, it's something we talk about kind of every so often on my Patreon discussion groups that we have at my inability to pronounce some of these words and they enjoy it and they think it's hilarious so so we get uh her response here in verse 12 king uh, uh, the song returns to the theme of consummated love solomon is on the quote-unquote couch for dining suggesting the richness and festivity with which this regal marriage will be consummated Um, This nard is an expensive ointment made from pure nard. Uh, This is what John 12, 3 is pointing to. It's an aromatic oil made from the crushed uh, renzomines of the spikenard plant native to northern India, used as an herbal medicine called pure, presumably because of its exceptional quality. Uh, it was anointed the feet of Jesus and wiped his feet with her hair. That's what verse 12, 3 says. Uh, this was highly unusual. Mary's actions, anointing feet, not the head, wiping off the oil with her hair, signified her humble devotion to her Savior. Uh, so that is what this nard that is being referred to points us to. The Shulamite's bride, in, uh, bride's anticipation of her husband is rich with sensory appeal. She is a pleasing aroma to her bridegroom. And and funny enough, I like that, you know, wording here. And and I want to make a connection. It's not here in my notes, but I want to make a connection to what Paul writes in Ephesians chapter five. I'm trying to think because I just preached on this text and it's the uh, first handful of verses in chapter five where we are commanded by Paul to be imitators of God, and in that imitation of God, we are to be like Christ Jesus, who was offered as a fragrant offering to God, one that was appeasing to God. And so we see, uh, you know, various times through Scripture where oils and fragrances and oint, you know, in, in these these uh, 
or anointing the individual or presenting themselves in a manner to which we are to act. You know, we are to give an, a, uh, an offering essentially of, of pleasing aroma to God. And that's, ex- you know, what we see in the early Levitical texts where um, the Israelites were commanded to bring various offerings. One of those was a fragrance offering. And we get this picture kind of cultivated through scripture of, you know, this, you know, aroma and connection between that and the one who is receiving it. And so, you know, here we have this Shulamite offering herself as a pleasing aroma to the bridegroom, just as we as Christians are to be imitators of God, offering ourselves as a fragrant offering to Christ. And that's pointing us back to Ephesians chapter five. So I I like the way that the notes that I have really draw that line out because then, you know, just preaching that this past Sunday uh, in my church, I was able to see that connection today as I record this episode. Speaking of which, as we're, you know, working ourselves through the text, we're getting close to the end of chapter one. And depending on our time, we might go a little bit into chapter two. However, I want to kind of break really, really fast because uh, we're at verse 12. Um, Actually, you know what? Let me, before I do that, let's finish up 13 and 14 with the notes, and then I'll give you like my little commercial break, if you would. So verse 13, the sachet of myrrh, uh, the bride and grooms were adorned with the uh, aromatics of in ancient weddings. And so they were, you know, they had little satchels of uh, scents and things like that. The henna blossoms, like nard and myrrh, henna blossoms were made into perfume. Um, and this Engadi is uh, abbreviated or, you know, can be referred to as the spring of the goat. It's an oasis in the western shores of the uh, Dead Sea where this balsam lit incense was produced. Seals on the pottery of uh, Engadi suggest that the industry was owned by a royal household. So that kind of frames up what's happening here, verses 2 through 14, or um, 12 through 14, my apology. But I really wanted to give a quick commercial break, if you would. And as as I was making the reference to my preaching on Sunday, it kind of dawned on me because I was I had this conversation with my counsel. And, you know, I have this podcast where, I you know, I can get quite a few hundred listens in a single for a single episode. And. You know, it just kind of depends on the season. Some seasons are much higher and others just take longer to grow. And so I average, you know, a couple hundred listens per episode and that's wonderful. And so if you really want to hear or see more of me, you can go and find my church. I will put that in the show notes so you can actually find the YouTube channel. Go and watch me preach. And you, we, we are uh, live every Sunday morning, 10 o'clock central time on YouTube and Facebook. And soon we will be streaming live to our Facebook or uh, to our website through Facebook. So you can watch the service there. It's a traditional liturgy service, liturgical service. We go through a brief order of confession at the beginning. Uh, we have a prayer of the day, a song, you know, an opening song. And then there's scriptural readings. And then I do a 25 to 35 minute sermon. And then we close out with an Apostles Creed and uh, a closing song, a benediction, et cetera, et cetera. So very simple, straightforward. But I would love if you would just come and watch us 
perform the service. You know, come and watch and hear me talk to me about my sermons. We're going to get into a whole new series here at the end of September, and we're going to talk about uh, the Bible, uh, famous Bible stories that you heard from Sunday school. So we're going to go through all of your Sunday school stories, and uh, that's going to be our next big series that we're taking on. We're wrapping up the book of Ephesians. And unfortunately, this past Sunday, we had some technical difficulties, so we couldn't produce that episode or that video, that service online. And so we missed out on that. I'm very sorry. It really is a bummer for me because I thought I I got a lot of people in the church that were there said that was probably one of the best sermons I've preached. And uh, I'm really bummed that I can't bring that back out to the masses because I really enjoyed that sermon. And, but you can go and catch all of our past sermons. We have everything going all the way back to when I first started there in December. So we have all of our sermons there. Um, I'm going to try to categorize it a little bit better and see if I can't group them, you know, maybe put them into, I don't know how YouTube really does it, but I want to try and make it organized better. And, uh, that way it's easier for people to navigate, manage, like they can say, Oh, here's all of my sermons from the Ephesian series. And here's all my stuff from, um, you know, I did one on the Lord's prayer. I did a sermon series on the Lord's prayer. Uh, I've done a series on, uh, the early church and, uh, the formation through the book of acts. And then we did one on uh, the narrative of Christ and the prophecies leading into his birth. And then we did a short series leading into his death. Uh, so we've kind of gone all over the place. We've got a lot of content and just a short period of time. So go and check that out. I'd really love it to see you guys support that as well. Um, and, you know, if you aren't in a church and you want to join, you know, join us online every Sunday, by all means, um, I would love to have you come alongside us and, uh, and, and participate in that manner. But I don't want you to just remain online. I want you to go into a church in person, but I want you to also be in a church that preaches sound doctrine. So don't get yourself looped into some loose theology or, or bad theology for that. So that's my little commercial there on, uh, on my church. I would love it if you would just come and watch. It would help to just you know grow our presence online if you were to share the sermons and, uh, you know, and like the content posts and things like that that we have. You can come and befriend our Facebook page, and we will, you know, um, love for you to join and uh, join us in this journey of preaching Christ to the masses. So as I mentioned, 12 through 14 is the Shulamite. Um, Solomon comes back here in verse 15. Uh, and then it's a little bit back and forth here. Uh, she, he, and she, as they wrap out, wrap up chapter one, uh, verse 15 is behold, you are beautiful. My love behold, you are beautiful. Your eyes are doves. She replies, behold, you are beautiful, my beloved, truly delightful. Our couch is green. The beams of our house are cedar and our rafters are pine. Little weird. Where where do we go from, you know, talking about beauty and now all of a sudden your couch is green. The beams of your house are cedar and your rafters are pine. Obviously, we're going to talk a little bit about that because it's a little out there in left field. Um but uh, verse 15, pretty much self-explanatory here, nothing to unpack. He's, you know, Solomon is simply saying, you are beautiful. Your beauty exceeds you in, in anything that you can understand. I find you to be absolutely attractive. 
Uh, verse 16 is where we get a little bit of like, oh, okay, what's happening here? This couch is green. What does that mean? Lush, verdant, leafy, leafy perhaps denotes fertility or reflects the couple's union beneath the rafters of cedar and pine. So I'm going to jump over here to this, uh, to my other notes here and uh, read these. So verse uh, 15 and 16, 17, the couch house and rafters are likened to a lush woodland location that may indicate uh, that the pair are outdoors. And I doesn't really dig too much in there. I'm going to look at this other thing. I'm going to set over to Solomon. Nope, that's not the right one. Here we go. And uh, verse 50, these verses express mutual ad- admiration uh, as is clear reputation of behold, you are beautiful. Now, as I'd mentioned, I really want to... Um, I really want to dig into what Luther writes in some of this. And there's a lot of lengthy uh, text that he writes in his works. And so I'm going to read here um, 16 and 17. This is a little bit shorter. This is what Luther writes on these couple verses. Because, again, uh, a little bit out in left field. And I want to try to bring as much clarity as possible to this. Um, Luther writes on verse 16. Here is the abundance of consolation. The Holy Spirit bears witness in the heart so that we are conceived or convinced we are pleasing and beautiful to God. The result, therefore, is that we in turn also confess that God is beautiful. That is that he delights in us, etc. However, this beauty is not obvious in the time of tribulation. Uh, verse, And then uh, the end of uh, 16 here, Luther groups this in with the verse of 17 uh, your couch is green the beams of your house are cedar and rafters are pine he says all of these features are allegorical and by them he signifies the happiness which he has drawn from consolation uh, in every state it is the case that there is every possible danger the government seems to have threatened in the fall of destruction and ruin this is the mood that Solomon expresses here is it as if he were saying formally, I used to think that the whole realm was on the brink of being overthrown. It seemed to me not a kingdom or a state at all where, but some ancient edifice, which would be toppled by the slightest blast of the winds. But now after the consolation I received, I see that my government is as firmly established as the house built of cedar or a material that does not crumble but endures for the longest time. I see also that it is adorned like the bed, uh, the bed, bed beckoned with flowers, just as in temptation, no end of trial in sight. So those who believe the consolation foresee perpetual joy, uh, as he says in Psalm 30, verse 6. I said in my prosperity, I shall never be moved. So this is what Luther's writing here at the end. And as I mentioned in last week's episode, Luther really draws a lot of similarity between what Solomon is writing here and the essential establishment of government and uh, and law and things like that, that Luther is quite um, familiar with, if you would. So we're going to... Uh, Let's continue into chapter two just a little bit here um, because this is a continual thought. Verse one, uh, that she is the one speaking here. She says, it says, I am a rose of Sharon, a lily of the valleys. 
Uh, he replies, as a lily among brambles, so is my love among the young women. That's verse two, 1 and 2. So verse 1, the rose uh, in Hebrew likely describes the uh, crocus-type flower. Um, Sharon is a fertile coastal plain extending from Joppa northward to Caesarea. And the rose of Sharon is used among the image of the Virgin Mary who bore and gave birth to God's son. It is also the image of the church uh, as the medieval hymn, Lo, How a Rose Air Blooming. Uh, this is can be found if you have a Lutheran service book. Uh, it would be found in there. Uh, associates with the rise uh, with the Rose of Sharon and with Christ himself. So that's verses 1 and 2 of chapter 2. Uh, we got about five more minutes before we wrap up. Let's continue on just uh, and see if we can get through verses 3 through 7. And we'll continue on. So uh, as an apple tree among the trees of the forest, so is my, so is my beloved among the young men. With the great delight, I sat in his shadow, and his fruit was sweet to my taste. He brought me to the banqueting house, and his banner over me was love. Sustain me with raisins, refresh me with apples, for I am sick with love. His left hand is under my head, and his right hand embraces me. I I adorn you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazels of the do- or the doses of the field, that you may not stir up or awaken love until it pleases. All right, so that's she responding to him uh, from verses from verse two. She's now picking up and going three through the end. And this banqueting house, uh, the house of wine in which are enjoyed the delicacies of raisins and apples, it is a place of feasting on rich food and aged wine, as Isaiah twenty five six states. A place where God's people may taste and see that the Lord is good, Psalm 34, 8. Uh, the banner is usually a military banner or even a battle standard banner. The Shulamite bride is escorted safely to the banquet hall under the standard of Solomon's love, even as Israel traveled beneath standards to the promised land, Numbers uh, chapter 152 and, verse, and chapter 2, verse 2. Uh, the apples... Um, basically apricots uh the sick with love is in love induced weakness she's just head over heels essentially for solomon uh, verse seven this adorn this legal term putting someone under a vow or a rat or oath uh, not to stir up or awaken love god's people are to live in faith according to his love and will we spurn that love and will when we disregard uh, the order that pleases god in holy matrimony, husband and wife may enjoy a God-pleasing arousal and fulfillment of love, each with one pleasing the other. Uh, verses uh, going back to chapter one, verse one, or I'm sorry, verse eight through chapter two, verse seven. In a world of immediate gratification, it is tempting to satisfy our desires as quickly as they awaken. Such unbridled arousal of passion leads to many sorrows, complications, and sins. But God, in his passion to save us, sent forth his son, born of a virgin, to redeem all who are under the law's judgment and curse. In Christ, your sins have been forgiven. And now, as he, as he told the woman caught in adultery, neither do I condemn you, uh, neither do I condemn you. Go, and from here, sin no more. So we have this little, you know, imagery that Solomon is painting us that really this 
yearning to be with each other and the buildup of passion and love for each other. And and it's funny because in the world, like this note is saying that we, we find ourselves instantly want to satisfy every urge, desire that creeps into our hearts and our minds. And that is a very dangerous position for the Christian to be. So when we face these temptations, it is best for us to put things down and walk away from it and come back later when we, you know, have overcome the temptation, not to give in and not to seek instant gratification in whatever that fleshly desire may be, whether it's your addiction to pornography, whether it's your addiction to alcohol or drugs or whatever it may be, whatever desires you have of the flesh. Uh, You are to remove yourself from those instances when temptation is overwhelming and seek Christ in those times. Go to prayer, turn to a brother in Christ, ask for prayer, and remove yourself from it. This world is so infatuated with instant gratification that it will do everything it can to give you everything it can at at the moment in in the in the most you know expedient time period as possible. And I, and I find that to be really interesting because when we lived in Chicago, Amazon was working on getting next day and same day delivery down pat. And to the extent that they would drop drones uh, by your house to deliver package that day, if they could do it. Now we move out here to Iowa and we order something on Amazon and it could take a week (laughs) or two to get it. And so we really have to learn how to not be so uh, ingrained in, you know, getting something as soon as we absolutely need it, but learning patience and, uh, and, and waiting through the required time period. And that's really, I think a lot that happens in the Christian life. It, there's a lot of times where we find ourselves waiting and listening for God, but in the reality, he's already speaking to us through his word and we are just so busy that we never take the time to actually understand it. So I am very blessed to walk you through this text, and I hope that it starts to shed some light into what's going on here, and it helps you to understand some of these more interesting books that you just probably have never read or studied. So I'm going to go ahead and wrap this show up here. We are done with verse 7 in chapter 2, so next week we'll pick up and go three, uh, through the uh, rest of 2 and into 3. And uh, there's 17 verses in chapter 2, four, uh, 11 verses in chapter 3. We could pick up and do all of 2, the rest of all of 3, and maybe even into some of 4. Um, I don't want to spend, you know, 8 weeks on this book, but we'll probably spend probably 4 or 5 total Um Maybe four. I think this is obviously this is episode two. So we have two more. Maybe we'll do five. I don't know. But I want to move quickly into, you know, into the next topic. But as well as I want to ensure that we get through all of the the content appropriately. So thanks, guys, for listening. As I mentioned, if you are interested in watching me preach, you know, I'll have the show, uh, the information in the show notes. Come and check me out Sunday morning, 10 o'clock central. You can uh, befriend us on Facebook. It is Stratford EV Lutheran Church. Um, I'll have that Facebook link in the show notes. We're on YouTube as well. I'll put that link in the show notes. And that way, and it's also in my bio on Instagram. So you can go and follow me there. Come and check us out. Hear me preach. That way you can get more of me if you do enjoy that. I don't know why, but you know, come and hear me preach and, uh, and show your love for God's word. 
Guys, until next week, when we dig into the rest of chapter two, I hope you have a blessed week and we will see you later. God bless. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High-quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365 day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Whether you're a morning person or a bedtime procrastinator, everyone deserves a mattress that works for their style. And you'll find the best mattress for you at Ashley. The new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley brings you one-of-a-kind body-conforming technology, making every sleep tailored to be your best. The collection also features cool-to-the-touch covers and motion absorption to help minimize sleep disruptions from partners, pets, or kids. Shop the all-new Temper Adapt Collection at Ashley in-store or online at ashley.com. Ashley, for the love of home.